You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, family. How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, you don't know this, but uh, I like I grew up at this church. Uh, super special for, to have me back uh, today. So thanks for having me. Uh, Matt's not here, but wherever you are, Matt, I'm not praying to him. But like, Lord, like, thanks, Matt, for having me. Uh, love him. Love this church. Always have. And so I'm excited to share just what God has been putting on my chest. And we're going to get right after it because I really believe this. And uh, you're going to come on a journey with me. I really believe that people matter, right? Like people matter. If, if I could tell you anything today, if you walk out of here, it is that people matter. And, and here's the deal, people matter to God. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture, um, it's not supposed to be my favorite because it's like everywhere and it feels like super token, but I'm just giving me honest. Like my, probably one of my favorite passages is 1 John uh, 3.16. It says simply, this says, for God, and I just don't want to miss this, for God like so loved Like he just so loved the world. He like loved them so much that he gave his one and only son uh, that whoever, like anybody, that whoever, and I was one of those whoever's, uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And um, and so I I, I think people matter. I think God loves them with an extravagant love. As a matter of fact, coming back home, uh, coming here, this is home, my Avon. I went to Avon High School. Uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky right now. But when I come back to this place, that's how I feel. Like this is a place that really loved me well. This is a place that I remember coming in as a freshman and I had found God's love, but I'd never really been loved by a church. And this church just loved me, extravagantly loved me uh, in a a powerful way. I just remember that. As a matter of fact, um, I found uh, found my bride. Uh, She grew up in this place. And because of Southeast Christian or Southeast, sorry, because that's where I go. So we'll get back to that. Because of Kingsway Christian Church, I just need you to know that, that this happened, this happened because of, of uh, Kingsway Christian Church. Like that's five kids, it's my wife, uh, they're here today. Uh, the 6'3 blonde uh, is my oldest around here. And so um, when, I think of the, when I think of this place, I think of a place that so loved me. When I think of this place, my, I got married right here on the stage. My bride came down to white, got a little weak in the knees when she came down the aisle. Um, but when I think of this place, I think of love. When I think of this place, I think of God's love. When I think of God, I can't help but think of the fact that God just loves people. Can I get an amen? Like God loves people. And like extravagant love, like pull us out of our darkness love. Nothing like his pursuing, overwhelming, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've faced, no matter what's happened in our past, God so loves us. Don't you wish everybody just knew that? Don't you just wish like, like everybody could experience that kind of like all in extravagant, no matter what. Um, I get, get it, you're jacked up and I love you kind of love. Don't you wish they could walk in that? So here's the deal. Um, so the question I think is, and that's what I'm here to tackle today, is so why, why how, like how are we doing it telling people about extravagant love? Like, how are we doing with that? So I'm just gonna dive in a little bit because Barna, I don't know if you don't know Barna, but they do all these nationwide studies and they do all these analytics. And so they, they basically pulled all of the Christians, basically, because they can do that, in the United States, and they just asked them a simple question. They just said, Here, here's the thing. So um, and they came out 94 to 97% of people said this, they said that, and I think in, in, in boo or something, if you don't agree with this. So 94 to 97% of people said, believers, by the way, 
trying to get anybody to a consensus on anything's pretty tough. So like 94 to 97% is like 100%. So here it says, the best thing that could happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. If, if you believe that's true, just say, yeah, come on. Yeah, right? Like that's what we think, right? Like everybody, like anybody who's a believer would say, man, listen, the best thing that could possibly happen to somebody is for them to come to know Jesus. Second stat is this, and this is even higher, 95 to 97, I don't know what that 1% is, but it says part of my faith, every single one of them would say this, not only is it the best thing, but they would also say, here's the deal, part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus. Can you get it? Yeah, come on. Like that's, yeah, we get that, right? You, you were more excited about the first one. So here's the deal. Like part, so here's the thing. We, we believe it's the best thing that could happen. And we all believe, most of us, almost 100%, believe that a part of my faith is that extravagant love of Jesus. So question, how are we doing? So here's the next stat. You guys ready for this? Roughly 90% of Christians, nine out of 10 believers, have never shared their faith with someone. Is that interesting to you? Listen on this one. 65% of elders and deacons at churches have never shared, other than like when somebody came down because some preacher like Matt preached a sermon, like they've never personally, like just leaned in somebody's life and said, man, I just want you to know him. I want you to know his love and his extravagant grace. Like, that's what I want. 65% of elders and deacons in our country have never done that before. So question, I'm sure this church is different, right? You all raised me. You, you instilled a bunch of things in me. So I could, I could say, I could just assume that the church is doing great. Like that, that nine out of 10 of you actually share your faith. But here's the question. I just want to ask it to you. How, how are we doing with this? The question is for you. I just would ask, how... How many of you would say, like in your lifetime, that you've, you've had intentional conversations or really help them understand and walk to the extravagant love of, of, of the Father, like really know him? How many, and so some of you are like, yeah, yeah. So then the next question is, have you, the next question is, how long has it been since you talked to somebody? about the extravagant love of Jesus. Because here's the thing, we know these, some of these, these are like verses that if you're a believer, if you're, if you're not a believer in the room, it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time too. But the, the rest of you, come with me for just a second. Because Matthew 28, I think most of us know this passage, right? It's one of my favorites. He's up on the mountain. It's one of the last things he says to the disciples. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, uh, go, and as you go is real, really the more likely, as you go, make disciples of all nations. And he's gonna say this, he's gonna, be, he's gonna baptize them in the name of the Father. Baptism in, in, in Jewish uh, context was like, give them their new identity in Christ. Like once they know who I am, they're gonna find out who they are. Like give them, baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's gonna keep going on and teaching them. Here's the thing, man, as soon as you find out your identity in Christ, how many of you, when you first came, you were like, I'm, I'm in, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I have no clue how this is supposed to work. So, so here's the thing, you're gonna have to teach them to obey, like lean in, like give their whole lives to this, so everything that I've commanded you, and surely, and surely I'm with you to the, always to the end of the age. The literal translation of this is, and, and, and behold, he says, look at me, I, and here's the deal, I know what I'm asking you, and I will be with you, this is a literal translation, 
I will be with you the whole of every moment. He's like, man, I got a huge calling on your life. I want you to go and tell people, disciple them, love them, teach them, give them your lives is the way the New Testament talks about. And then one of my favorite passages, and I think that this is one, I was trying to pick one that this church has like been bedrock for a long time. I just think go into all the world and preach, live, love, share, like relationally, intentionally, not just like talk at people, like love people into the kingdom, share with them the good news and, and take it to all creation. So here's what I'm here. And, 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 and Matt apparently wasn't um, bold enough to t- teach this one. I don't know why he ditched out on this one, but he called me in because he wanted to say, he wanted to say, okay, so then time out. Let's just be, can we all be real for a second? Why are we not doing this more? Like we know he's the best thing. We, any, right? We know he is. So then why are we not consistently, regularly, every day, living in such a way that will lead people into a rich relationship with Jesus? So, you know, my, my wife and I, uh, she's here today, and the kids, uh, I think this is true. We were talking about this this week, as a matter of fact. My wife and I really struggle with this uh, over the years. What, you know, if, if, if people, let's just be real simple. If people matter, and they do, if people matter to God, then they should matter to who? Us. Like, if, that's, if, if people matter to him, then God, obviously they should, but, but here's the deal. They're, they're entire seasons. We get stuck. Maybe you get stuck. Stuck in entire seasons where you recognize that there aren't people in your life, or maybe ever, maybe it's been for a little bit, maybe it's just been from, since COVID for you. I know that that's been a real challenge for me. But here's the deal. You know, we get in these seasons where we're not regularly seeing people take really knowing God more and to really walk into its truth and to really find out who he is. And, and, and so you, we, can go, we can go through, we all have our reasons why not, right? And so, so if you're asking like, Matt, why, why, why are you not doing that more? Well, is it fear sometimes? Yeah, sometimes there are just people, I just don't know what to say. I'm a little afraid. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to look dumb. Like, is, is it, Matt, is it sometimes that you just don't want people to think that you're weird? Anybody? Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Like, I don't want to be that friend, like, that every time a conversation pops up, you're like, well, you know what Jesus always says, and you're like, ah, that didn't really fit, bro. Like, like you're just being weird. Just talk normal. Like, it's all, you know, you don't want to be forced. You don't be normal. What, you know, is it, is it apathy sometimes? Ooh. Matt, do you get so laser focused on your family and your kids and their sports and the stuff and doing the things and all that kind of stuff? Like at some point, is it just that you live enough life that your life is fine and the people around you are complicated enough? Can I get an amen? There's complicated people around you and you just get apathetic about the people around you. You just forget to care. Anybody ever do that? For some of you, for Matt, I'm not gonna answer for my wife, Sarah, because she's a better human. Like for me, Matt, is it because sometimes you're just not sure you like that person? (laughs) Kind of, sometimes. Anybody, when I say, is it like, do anybody else have somebody that's just a little hard to love in their lives? Anybody else have a a boss that you're like, "Mm, you should not be Anybody's boss. <laughs> Anybody else have a neighbor that, that their dog, you're like, bro, do you even know that that thing is doing what it's doing to my yard and barking at night? Like, like, do you have those people in your life 
that are just like, man, you know, any of you in the room been hurt by somebody? Anybody in the room been um, abused by somebody? Anybody had some story that, that where you just, you just know that there, there are these people in your life and golly, man, like you just don't understand how much I don't, I, I, just, I just don't like them. They're kind of slimy. They're kind of back door. They're like never honest. I'm never, they're kind of shifty. And so we have all of these reasons to not like people. Now, is that the only reason? No, you know, sometimes, sometimes is it because, and I, I, you know, my wife and I were talking about this, um, sometimes is it just because growing up, and I'm just being honest, and, and, you know, I don't know if it was from here, but generationally, I remember growing up, and everybody was like, like, I remember in youth group, like, we need to go save those people. Anybody else ever get that? Like, we're going to go save them, and you were made to save them, and then come to find out you go to save them, and you realize you're not great at saving people? And all of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to save the world. And then you go talk to somebody for like three seconds. You're like, oh, I'm just bad at this. And then you just feel, what, ashamed. And you're like, well, I'm probably just not good at this then. So maybe that's for the special people, and I'll just be one of those Christians. I'll let somebody else do the thing. Well, here's the thing. We're going we're gonna to dive in. Y'all ready if you have your Bibles or Bible apps? Um, Bible or Bible app? Bible app people, hand up. Bible people. Okay, the rest of you are pagans. Great, let's go. So, uh, so here's the deal. We're just gonna dig in. We're gonna dig into the book of uh, Jonah. It's one of my favorite. And here's the thing. We get, to, we get to dig into, this is why I want, it's one of my favorite stories. I'm gonna turn the story on you because you think it's about a big fish. The story is about one of the worst evangelists you've ever seen in your life. And his name is Jonah. And so here's what we're gonna dive into. Because literally so many people, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the story of, of Jonah, and, and I get it, it's, it's about Jonah and the what? Whale. But y'all, that's like chapter one and two. Chapters one through four are the story of a God who comes to his friend and whispers in his ear about a group of people that he loves. And he calls, them to, he calls him to go to a great city that is wicked, that is dark, and he wants his friend. He's like, no, 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 I want you to go. I want you to go to this place, to these people. There's a great city that's burning on my heart. And, and it's a story of, of, of what Jonah does with that. And so, so you know, here, here's the deal. Um, God uh, comes to him, and let's just dig into the passage. God comes to him and says, and, and again, the fish is gonna be in there. The fish, we're, we'll get to the fish, okay? But he whispers in his ear about love for a people. And he says, okay, you ready? You ready, Jonah? You ready, Jonah? You ready, Jonah? You ready, Jonah? And this is what's gonna happen. Jonah, uh, ch- verse one, chapter three. But Jonah did what? Man, he ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. Isn't that like a mouthful? Like who came up with that? So, but he ran away and he headed for Tarshish. All you need to know, Tarshish is in Spain. Tarshish was on the edge of the Assyrian empire. Tarshish was the farthest. In Jonah's mind, like if I could make it to Tarshish, God will never ask me to do this again because I will be so far from where he needs me to be. Like I'm not running from him, but I am gonna run from his purpose. And so, so here's the deal. He just runs to the opposite, in the opposite direction of his calling. And so now, listen, is the great fish where, where his, you know, is that where he's gonna go because of his disobedience? Yes. Is the great fish, if you read Jonah, the place of his repentance? Yes. But I'm just telling you, um, 
I, I, I want you to hear this today. I really want you to walk out of the door and think differently. J- the book of Jonah is about God's great love for a city. And by the time you see what God's gonna do in that city and how he used Jonah, you're gonna forget about the fish, y'all. So here's, here's let's, so let's just dive in. Okay, we're just gonna get after it and I got some stories after this. So, and I should be watching a timer somewhere. Got it, okay. So uh, let's dive in uh, and let's just grab like three things that Jonah did to walk into the city and go to the people that God called him to. And then let's, let's talk about, you and I, just about how to get out of the rut that we get in where we live so much life and tell so few people about his love. So first thing first, I just wanna say that Jonah decided to, Jonah decided to listen up. Anybody, anybody, um, I have a listening problem. Can I just say that out loud? I have a listening problem. My wife would tell you that I have a listening problem. My teacher would really tell you that I have a listening problem. Um, how many of you uh, have a listening problem? Any, any listening problem? Point to the person that you know has a listening problem. That'll be even better. That's probably a better truth teller in the equation there. Um, we, we usually have a listening problem. And so I, I just, I just want to read this verse. It's out, it's out of Jonah uh, chapter three, verse two. And it just says this. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a what? Because he didn't listen the first time, y'all. Anybody else that glad that God like gives us second chances and third and fourth sometimes? He just says, it came to him a second time. He said, listen, I want you to go to that great, like I want to circle this word, great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Like I'm going to give you a message and it's going to be the message that's going to work. And I, so I'm going to need you to listen, but I need you second time. He's like, okay, I need you to listen. Hey, 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 Jonah, snap out of it, dude. Snap out of your fear, snap out of your, your, your anger, snap out of your like being overwhelmed, snap over out of your, your, your plans for your life and what's going on with you. Like, bro, I need you to snap out. I need you to listen right now, listen. Second time he comes to him, he says, I've got a great city. Now that word great right there is the, is the Hebrew word gadol. Try to say that in your mouth, like gadol. Isn't that weird? Who would ever say that? So that word gadol means great. It means like massive. And so uh, that, that, that is, this is one of the, the largest cities at the time. And so here's what's interesting because it's interesting because Jonah is gonna refuse to go to that Gadol city. Literally that word, that Gadol word is gonna be used for a Gadol wind. He's gonna run into, he's gonna then run into a Gadol storm. It's gonna be a terrible storm. It's a great storm. He's gonna be thrown into a great ocean. <laughs> he's gonna be swallowed by a great fish. And then he's going to, and then all the men around him, everybody on the boat is going to uh, be like, they're gonna have this great fear come on them. And so, so what, are you, what are you saying, Matt? Let, let me say this. You are either, and remember this, because we're talking about listening. You are either going to, and I really believe that, you are either going to run into, because there's this greatness, he's gonna come to a second time. You have an opportunity to listen and to go with him to do something great. Or you're going to, and I think this is true, you're, you're either, you, you can run to a place of your choosing or you can run to your place of your calling. When you run to the place of your choosing, nine times out of 10, maybe more, you're gonna find yourself sitting in pews like this, trying to live a normal life, never telling anybody about him, and internally kind of wasting disappointment, great anxiety, great questions about God, wondering why he doesn't show up and why he doesn't do things in your life and why you're never really where you are and why you're at the bottom of an ocean and why you got swallowed up by a whale and why all the people around you are negative and why, 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 when you, when you, and, and he, you either step into your great calling or 
you're gonna step into your great comfort, your great place of your great choosing. But I'm, I'm telling you, as your brother, um, you, don't, you don't get both. And so I really believe, I really believe that, that he just says, listen, listen up, man, listen up. I believe that every single person in this room, I really do, God, that God has called you, whether you know it or not, whether you've been a follower for one year or 50 years, I think God has this burning desire to just say, hey, listen, man, I, I've got a Nineveh that I'm calling you to. I've got a people that are on my heart right now. I guarantee you that they're on his heart and they're right around you. He's like, listen, I, and I need you to snap out of it. Like, I need to sna- you need to snap out of your apathy. I need you to snap out of your shame. I need you to snap out of being centered on you. I need you to snap out about wondering if you're gonna feel weird or what if you don't say the right things. Like, I need you, hey, 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 brother, sister, Come on, man. Jesus coming to you a second time, third time, fourth time saying, hey, snap out of it, man. I need you to listen up. I'm not asking you to save people. I'm just asking you to go. So listen up. So he, he, you know, Jonah listens up. We're gonna get practical with this. He listens up. And then the next thing he's gonna do is he's gonna step up. He's gonna step up. And I love this, Jonah uh, chapter three, verse three, just says this. I'm helping you note takers, by the way. Um, if you're not taking notes, you're just gonna walk away and forget everything. It's fine, it's gonna be great. So step up, Jonah, it says then, Jonah, after the second time, he, 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 he finally listened. Should have listened the first time. Anybody else should have listened the first time? He didn't. Story of our lives. Second time God comes to him, and this time it says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he just went to Nineveh. So he just steps up. And listen, man, I, I'm just telling you, it is always hard to do what God's asking. And, and, and if, if I'm being honest, I think you know this true. Doesn't it feel like every time God asks you, like you have a burning thing in your soul to do that you know you're supposed to do? Isn't it, isn't it interesting how impossible the thing seems in front of you? It just seems impossible. It seems like there's no way that it's bigger than we can tackle. It's more dark than I understand. It's dangerous. It might cost me a reputation. It might cost me a relationship. Like it's, there's something big. And so here's what I need you to know. Nineveh was um, roughly, uh, most historians would agree, the largest city on planet earth, the capital of the Assyrian empire. Roughly over 120,000 people at the time, which is crazy size for that day. And in this city, not only was it 120,000 uh, people, but, but God says, basically, you have 40 days to go in and to tell them all about, about what's coming in 40 days, 40, so simple. How many people are, are roughly in Avon, Danville, Brownsburg? What are, where's some other towns? Where are y'all from? Give me something. Indianapolis. Indianapolis is huge. So big city. Imagine all these people spread out. He says, huge city. And by the way, no problem, 120,000 people, there's only one of you. You've got 40 days to, to make sure that everybody turns. That seems, that seems a little impossible to me. But not only was it a massive city, it was, it was, um, it was a really dark city. If you do the study on this, there's not a lot of bad things that you can think about that are happening to people that weren't happening in Nineveh. Like y'all, it was, it was dark. The things that they found there, it was just, it just crazy. Jonah, I mean, any, any time, let me just say this, any time you build a massive empire, it's always on the backs of oppressing, misusing children and women. You know that, right? And, the, and poor people. So those three things are gonna, they, they're the first things to go out the window when you're building an empire. And so, so here's the thing. Um, Jonah knows what city he's headed to. And he has reason, like there's a good reason for him to be afraid. 
There's a good reason for him to feel like, you know what, if I go into that city and start talking, it's very likely I could lose my life. That's fair, Jonah. You know what, if I go into that city, like, like if I open my mouth there, there's reason for apathy. Like, like even if I said something, who's going to listen in this place? They also, you know, they also has, well, even if I go to that place, I got to, I got to talk about you to those people. Like, how do, th- th- those aren't my people. I'm not like them. They're terrible people. Have you met them before? And I mean, let me put it like this. This is a city filled with all of the people that you don't like. So that, that, that uh, bad boss that I was talking about, he's in Nineveh. And y'all, he's so slimy and he's cut you out of every single thing and you should have got this sales thing and you should have got this promotion and brother's like just hanging out in the city and God wants you to go talk to him. How do you feel about that? And on top of that, he's got, you know, maybe, maybe it's like that neighbor. Maybe it's, maybe it's and I'll use this uh, carefully, it's like the ex-wife. Or you go, whoa, well, but let's be real. Like part of that ex-wife thing and that, or that person in your life or that, that, that former person that you dated, but they broke your heart. You did some bad things. They did some bad things. And now it used to be like, oh, I love you. Now it's like, man, I hate you. And so it's like, now everything's divided and it's really complicated and there's layers to the relationship. And you're like, you don't even know. Don't even get me started on why I can't stand him. It's like every, you a good word about the person. That's, Nineveh is filled with people like that. Nineveh is filled with the people that are part of the, uh, the opposing political party that post stuff, and you just want to face. You're like, do you have a brain? Do you have any sense? Why would you post that? That doesn't make sense. You just, you just want to fight them. Um, this is a city filled with uh, the person that abused you when you were younger. This is a person that has that religion that, and, and, you know, that you don't respect. What is God asking Jonah to do? He's saying, listen, I'm asking you to step up. I get it. You don't understand them. And, 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 and I know it seems big and I know it seems scary and I know it seems impossible. And I know you might, eat, you might not even like them. But Jonah, I love them. I love them. And I'm asking you, friend, will you go tell them? Come on, Jonah, man, I need you to step into this. I need you to step up. So lastly, he he says, uh, he doesn't just listen up. He doesn't just uh, step up, but but finally he speaks up. And when he speaks up, this is kind of how it works. And I love this passage, Jonah 3, verse 4. Um, (laughs) This is kind of funny, and you, you may not like my humor, but we're going, okay? So it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey, one day. Remember, how many days did he have to do this? Anybody remember? 40, that's a good biblical number, just keep that in mind. So he had 40 days, but he gets one day, one day into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. How's this message gonna go? Okay, now let's talk about, let's talk about what he's, like his awesome message that he's gonna be giving to all the people. Can we talk about that for a second? Does anybody, you're going in to win a city and tell them about God and, and this is the line that you're given. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Anybody else feel like something's missing? Anybody? Like any mention of what they've done wrong? Any mention of their sin? Any mention, any mention of like an invitation? Like, like an opportunity to change? Is there, anybody else notice there's not even a mention of God? 
Brother's just walking through the city. 40 more days, y'all gonna burn. <laughs> Bro, you are the worst evangelist I've ever seen in my life. Like, come on, man. Like, did you miss Jesus 101? Like, where, do you, have you read, he hadn't read Romans, hadn't been written. But anyways, like, have you read Romans 2, 4, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance? Like, you gotta love them, you gotta show them. Like, if I'm writing a church plant strategy for brother man going into Nineveh, this isn't it. I mean, he's got the wrong heart. He doesn't wanna go. Wrong timing, he should have gone the first time, and now he's finally going. He's got a bad strategy. Brother's gonna just walk through 40 days. He's got the wrong message. There's not anything. But here's what happens. He speaks up. And y'all, one day in to his trip, had 40 days. He actually walks around for one day in his trip. This is what's gonna happen. Says the Ninevites, crazy. They just believe God what? Yeah, it's the craziest thing, man. They like believe God. And here's what's crazy. Day into it. They, they, they had a fast. Fast was proclaiming all of them, all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. What? As a matter of fact, you keep reading there. If you have your Bibles, I don't think I give you the slide. Verse six says this. It says, and this is crazy. It says, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, how's he gonna feel about that? How do your political leaders, feel? anyway, so, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. What's he gonna do? Just took off his royal robes. He's like, yeah, me too. Put on sackcloth, sat down in the dust, and he made a proclamation to, in Nineveh. He just says this, this is super funny, just go with my humor. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals by the way, the animals do. Anyways, like, don't let the people, don't let animals, don't let herds, don't let flock. Listen, if, you're, if your animals have to fast, your city's in a bad place. But he says, nobody's eating, don't let them eat or drink, but, but let the people and the animals be covered in sackcloth. He even covers the animals. Talk about repentance. And then verse eight says this, I love this, says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Man, who knows? God might relent yet and with compassion. Like, that's my God. Like, that's, that, that's the one, that's the Jesus that I know. Man, when you turn to him, he's just so compassionate. And he's, here, here's what I know about him. He, he turns from his fierce anger and, and there's no perishing with him. So Jonah just decides, he just decides, right, three things. Let me just put them up real fast in order here. He, deci he, de he decides to listen up. Took him a while. Takes us a while. But he said, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen up. Second of all, he steps up. He steps up even when it's big, even when it's dark, even when I'm scared, even when I don't know what to say, even when, even when it's gonna cost me or it might cost me or I'm not sure where it's gonna go. Here's the thing. He listens up and he steps up and then finally he speaks up. And when he speaks up, he doesn't even have great words. Like he just says the things that God gives him and he says them. And I'm like going, so bad, Jonah, so bad. But when he listens up and then he steps up and he speaks up, what happens? God shows up. 
And I don't know who you are in the room, but when God shows up, y'all, the things he does when he steps into a room. Now, the best I can gather, I'm, I might be wrong on this, okay? But I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jonah might be the story of the worst evangelist I've ever seen. But it also, the story of Jonah might be the story of the greatest turnaround of any city in the history of the Old Testament. Every single one of them, goats included. And by the way, best I can gather, guess who Jonah is written by? The only person that has intimate details about the call, the only one that says, and that's not where I wanted to go, the only one that decided to hop on a boat, the only one that knew how the sailors were feeling when they pushed him off the boat and they didn't even want to, but he said, I know it's gonna work. The only one that knew the prayer that was in the belly of the fish, the only one that walked in and had a bad heart, the only one in in Jonah chapter four when he's sitting under a branch, if you wanna read it, and he's just still mad about the city and their transformation. Jonah is the only person that can write the story of Jonah. Why does he throw himself under the bus so many times? Ever wonder that? Because I think in this whole process of what Jonah walked through and following the Father's heart, I, here's what I think. I think that Jonah recognized um, that if, 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 if God can use Jonah, what? He's like, listen, man, if God can use me, God can use you. He can use you. So let me give you a story. And, and so I just, just put the, the slide with listen up step up, speak up. Let me give you a couple stories of how this happens in my life and then I'm gonna let you out of here. But let's be honest, what else do you have to do today? So it's COVID, you have to care over your face. So here's the deal. So, so um, I'm uh, flying Southwest and I'm headed to LA. I'm in Chicago and I hop on the plane. I'm terrible at registering. So I get on the plane, I'm like the last person to register. Anybody know what that means? That means you're not getting the aisle seat, yo. So like you're gonna be in the middle seat and you're gonna be in between like Bubba and Bubba and you're gonna be like squeezed like a sandwich the whole time and it's just terrible. So I remember getting on this plane and I'm walking back to the, the back seat and in this lane to the left, I see an op- like an aisle seat and I was like, we all know that that's a sign that God really loves you. And so I was like, hey, thank you. We're on good terms, it's cool. So I go back and I get ready to sit and I'm like, even better, it's not Bubba and Bubba. It's like this, this young guy, no, not judging, but he's got a tank top on, it's February. I feel like I should mention that because it's kind of weird, but he's like a GNC guy. And so he just wants to rep, you know, he just, mm, come on. So. He's got a tank top and then there's this young girl sitting next to him and they're kind of talking. They seem friendly. And he looks at me. He's like, you want to sit down? You know, and I was like, yeah, what's up? This is going to be great. I sit down. He's like, this is going to be so awesome. We're, but we're already chatting. We're going to get totally wasted. I just landed the deal in my life. We're going to get so drunk on this flight. And I'm like, that is so awesome. And so I sit down and I'm like, so Lord, is this like headphones on or off time? Right? And so, <laughs> so we're in Chicago, we gotta be de-iced, right? Like, so we gotta be de-iced on this plane and, and it's gonna, you know how it is. It takes a long time if you don't know, it's terrible. And so we have, and, and then on top of that, we've got another five and a half hours after that. So we're sitting on this plane. Within five minutes, I'm not making this up. Within five minutes, he starts talking about laying the deal of his lifetime. He starts hitting on this girl, like hard hitting on her. She shuts it down. It was so awesome and beautiful. She shuts it down and she lets him know that she is engaged and she's going to meet her. And he was like, oh, that's totally not awesome. So then they get in this deep, then the, he starts talking this guy tank top so he's like he's like talking about literally like like he's just like man you know have you ever been to so and so and they're just going back and forth have you ever been to this country ever man they've got the best drugs and the best prostitutes and the best what are we talking about right now she starts talking to me she says actually i'm in the adult entertainment industry and i'm going lord what are we doing man 
come on, dude. Like, like really right now? Like I'm going to church thing last, and so I'm like, I'm, I just, I, I, like headphones, they just, they just start climbing, right? <laughs> they just start climbing. And about the time they get to here, ever happens? Lord just stopped me dead in my tracks. He's like, hey, Matt, dude, hey, snap out. Like you think that I put a spirit-led son of on a flight with this going down right now, on accident. I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) I'm like, come on, man. And so I'm like, you know, like like Jonah, okay. I'm gonna take these dumb things off and do something nice for people that are probably not gonna even change anyways probably going to turn into a heathen by the end of this flight. So I lean over and they start having this conversation. Y'all, listen, I just listen up, listen up, listen up. He's like, all right, Matt, step up. I need you to lean. I need you to lean in. Headphones off, lean in. This is a moment for you. This is your Nineveh. And I'm like, okay. Now lean in and, and words come out of my mouth. I think they were dumb. Like, I'm not sure what I said. And here's the thing. You're like, he's the preacher. Like, he has stuff to say and theology and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work when you're in crazy town, y'all. <laughs> it doesn't ever work in crazy town. So I'm sitting there, and I don't remember what happened in the conversation. I, I, I would love to tell you the rest of the conversation some other time. I might on the podcast here in a second, but this guy in the tank top, tank top guy, <laughs> he swivels, and he just looks at me, and we're still de-icy, and I'm like, hey, buddy. He starts crying. And I was like, I think I broke him. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> he starts like shoulder shrugging, crying. And I'm like, like everybody on the plane is like super annoyed and she's annoyed. She's like tapping on her phone. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with this guy? And so he, t- and he just bawling. He just looked at me. He's like, are you a Christian? And I was like, I don't know, man. It's been a real weird day. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I, mean, I didn't say that. Yes. And he just started crying. He just, he started blubbering. I couldn't get, I was like, bro, slow down, man, slow down. He's like, man, you don't even know. Like I used to know him kind of and kind of experienced grace. And then I ran and, and man, you just, he just starts like, it was like we were in a confessional booth except for like 200 passengers got to hear it because he's so loud. He just started saying, but you just don't understand, man. I've just been chasing after drugs and after girls and after this and I'm sleeping with a girl right now. We He's just going on, just, I'm like a little less. Like there's kids, but he just keeps and he just says, and you just, man, I was in the shower this morning. And I just told God, man, I don't know any believers and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. But man, if you just put one believer in my life today, I swear I'd change, Lord. And he looked at me, said these words verbatim. Can we just talk about Jesus this whole trip? I just really need to talk about Jesus. And I was like, no. I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. I've got a neighbor. Let me tell you about the neighbor. I have a neighbor, and, and I, I feel a little bit of judgment on myself on this story. So here we go. So he's a neighbor. Long story short, about a year ago, his tree like blew across his yard and fell into my barn. It's, it's kind of weird, like an act of God. Wait. Okay. So, 
So like in that, we, we, um, I've been trying to meet them. My wife and I just moved in there like a year, uh, family, all of us, I guess. And so we're in there and we're talking and so I was talking about the neighbor. I said, hey, tell me about the neighbor. And he's like, well, this neighbor is, is one of those people that um, you, you're probably not gonna get to know him. Every time he talks to people, he talks about how much he doesn't like people. I was like, well, that's kind of a buzzkill. So, um, so trees in the barn. And so I go, I got to talk to him about how to figure this out. And we're over this fence line and we're kind of like talking about trees and insurance and yada, yada. And it's getting kind of weird. And I was like, yeah, he is kind of, so like we're going back and forth and all of a sudden, you ever do this? All of a sudden, God says, Matt, snap out of it, man. You think I care about this tree or your barn? Like you've been looking for an opportunity to talk to this guy. Here you are at the fence post. Do you think I put, again, what? A spirit led son of mine on a fence post with a guy who really needs to hear in an opportunity where you've been here a year and you've never even met the dude and you think that this is an accident? Come on, man. I'm like, I know I'm, I'm just not smart, Lord. Like, okay. He's like, step up. So I just, and it, and it was really weird. And I, and I wasn't sure where the conversation was going. I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna do this wrong. But I just leaned up. That's true story. I just leaned up to the fence. And I said, hey, Mike. Uh, this is gonna sound really weird. <laughs> That's what you do when you feel. Um, and I just, I just said, was, I said, listen, the tree, the no tree, my barn, my wife and I, man, we're committed to being a real care about the barn. If the barn burns down, bro, don't. We would rather the barn burn down than be a bad neighbor to you. He looked at me half later, we're still defense post about his wife and about his heart and about why religion has failed him. And I'm just telling you, um, you know, Jonah 4.11 says this, and I think this is the heart of God. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Like, it's like God sometimes has to whisper into our chest, don't you know how I see them? And don't you know how much I love them, how much I'm for them? So here's, here's, here's something. Let me just do this. I went a little long. But you're my home, and, and he'll hate me later. So here we go. Um... I bet there's a lot of people in the room that are like me, that are like Jonah. We just have a love problem. It's just hard for us to, to you know, we're, we're like, like, here's what we're doing. We're not taking the best gift that could ever happen to somebody's life and getting over ourselves enough to share it. And I bet we, every single one of us, are walking day after day after day. We're waking up, we're walking to places, and if we would just hear him say, hey, 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 listen up, man. I didn't put a spirit-led son or daughter of mine in this situation with this boss and this person and this person you can't, like, I didn't put you here on accident. Step up. Just say whatever. You're not gonna have the right things to say. Just say something and watch, because when you... When you listen up, when you step up, when you speak up, I'm gonna show up, that's who I am. There's another group of people in this room right now, and I'm just gonna pray for both of you here in a second, that you're in Nineveh right now. In nothing that I've said, you're just like watching the clock. But part of the reason that you're like them is, is what you don't know about Nineveh, is that Nineveh, for most historians would tell you that when, when Jonah comes on the scene, they had been facing eclipses and earthquakes. They had seen devastation and famine. Uh, every single one of, everybody in the city knew something's up, but they couldn't put their finger on it. Some of you are in this room. There's a million things going on in your life and you know something's up. And right now you have an opportunity like the Ninevites. 
You have an opportunity. I don't know how long this opportunity lasts in your life. I'd love to tell you it's forever. I don't know that. To just respond to his love and his grace and his kindness and his compassion and to walk into something whole and healed. But my prayer for us is that we would just see people the way Jesus sees people. Dearly Father, God, thanks for the gift of this time. Uh, God, I pray uh, just your blessing on this church. Father, I pray that there would be evangelism that would just rise up in their hearts, not evangelism out of some sense of duty or like this is what I have to do or he's not gonna like me or I'm not gonna get in. But God, I pray that you would just give them a baptism of love for people, that they would see people the way that you see people, that you would allow their ears to hear your voice, to snap them out of their everyday life so they can step into the greatness of what you have for them when they join you on mission. God, we love you. Pray your blessing over them. We want to see people the way you see people. We want to listen up, step up, speak up. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.